Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest edition of Terrace Talk. Is this the weekend that Norwich City finally become champions? Uh, we'll wait and see. A win against Reading would secure their title, and it's been long overdue. I think that's fair to say. I'm delighted to be joined by Mr. Ben Ambrose, Norwich fan, and you, you sort of bless your your presence with uh, several channels, don't you? And we're also joined by Simeon Pickup of the Tilehurst End. Um, ben, we'll come to you first then. Uh, I'll, I'll let you answer that opening question. Is this the weekend for Norwich City? Is this the weekend that the championship title gets done and dusted? Yeah, I said so a few weeks ago. I've looked at this fixture. I'm very excited. Um, but yeah, I, I do see Norwich winning this weekend. I know it's only a point we need, but I want all three and I very much expect us to get them. Interesting stuff. Um, just before we go any further, Ben, just tell us what that is behind your, your shoulder because I think people might see a little figure there and not be able to <laughs> quite make out who it is. Uh, that is little Daniel Farker. There he is. It's, just, it's actually it's, it's my dad. It's like a nodding head one, isn't it? It is, yeah. It's a little bobbly head. Um, I think they were like 20 quid when we got promoted last time. And it seems to have sort of, you know, proven its worth. You know, it, it comes in handy from time to time. But there he is, little Daniel. I thought I'd spice up the uh, the stream a bit. Is he is he doing his waves? You know, that he does he's, at the end of the games. One of those, mate. Double thumbs, thumbs up. up from Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> Lovely stuff. Simeon, let's, let's come to you. How are you? Um... It's, it's difficult because I don't want to um, sort of downplay what a positive season this has been for Reading, probably in the grand scheme of things. But I can imagine as a supporter, you're probably hurting a little bit because of recent results and, and obviously the, the result last weekend that means the playoffs are now out of reach for you. Yeah, absolutely. It's really weird because it's kind of our, our most positive season in a while and our most disappointing at the same time because for so long we thought, oh, we'll at least get the top six. There was even a little bit of a hope of of top two for for a little while and we've just just undermined ourselves really over the last couple of months and been really kind of depressing in the last few weeks um to be honest that it's all kind of um slipped away from us so um so avoidably but there we go we go again next season and see if we can go a bit better do, do you think that disappointment will be felt by the players and taken into this weekend or do you think they'll they'll be able to kind of dust themselves down and go again for the final two games uh, I think a bit of both, really. Um, it, there's going to be an element of wanting to kind of do themselves proud after such a good season. Um, but obviously, when you've had such a, a disappointing time in the last couple of weeks and seeing how emotional they were after the full-time whistle against Swansea, they're going to be hurting from that. And whether that kind of pans out as um, frustration and it undermines the performance or it kind of builds up the performance, we'll see. But um, obviously, we've had... A uh, good result last time we played at Carrow Road, so hopefully we'll see a, a repeat of that, that kind of disappointment for the home fans. <laughs> yeah, I've never seen an atmosphere go out of a stadium like it did when Rinomota scored that goal late on. Um, ben, before we, we focus on this fixture, I want to speak to you a little bit about what's happened today. Obviously, player of the season has been announced the top three. Ollie Skip in, in third place, Grant Hanley in second. The winner, of course, Emmy Buendia. Um I, I usually on this show just give people a minute or however they wish to um, to have, however long they wish to have, to speak about Emi Buendia and his influence this season. So I'll throw it over to you to, to eulogise about him. Yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, to, to, to go into full depth, I need more than a minute, but I'll do my best to keep it under. Emi Buendia is just like, he's a ridiculous footballer, isn't he? And he is like an absolute credit to Norwich's recruitment system. And I think Stuart Weber said, didn't he? He said... Um, with these new Brexit laws, Buendia is one of the players, one of quite a few that Norwich wouldn't have been able to sign. Um, and thank God we did, because he is such a joy to watch. And I remember saying 
uh, it might have been to you before, that when we signed him, I was worried he'd be Sergi Canos point two. He has been quite the opposite. He has been everything I thought Sergi Canos would be. Um, and he is absolutely, without a doubt, the best to put on the Norwich shirt in my lifetime. I'm not even hesitant about that. Not my favourite. Wesley Houlihan holds that special place in my heart. But Emi Buendia has been absolutely phenomenal. And you look at last season, he didn't have any goals to his game, did he? Whereas this season, he's obviously sort of put a lot of work into it. What is he at now? 14 or 15 goals, 15, 16 assists. It's ridiculous. They are stupid numbers. Um, and to be honest with you, he's on an upwards trajectory. So I don't see him getting any, any worse next season. And I do think he'll stay the record. No, hey, well, we, we shall see. I, I'm probably edging more towards that camp than maybe I was a month or so ago. Um, just to speak very quickly about a player who's not in the top three, Timu Puki, 25 goals, not even in the top three. Does that, for you, kind of illustrate the, the quality that Norwich City have operated with this season? Or for you, should he have been in that top three? Well, there's another player as well, isn't there? Max Ahrens, you know, he's been really, really good this season. But it just speaks of the quality that Norwich have played with this season. Um, it's no sort of criticism to Pukki from to not be in there at all. It's just the players who are in there have been better, which is bizarre because he scored 25 goals this season. Um, I'm pretty sure he could have about 400 this season with the amount of chances he gets. You look at QPR as a prime example, so many good opportunities. Um, but yeah, I don't look into it too much because Norwich have just been that good. Um, if you can have a top five, I'm sure he'd creep in there. Uh, but as, <laughs> he, he, he really does frustrate me at times because he could have literally about 50 this season. It's ridiculous. Um, and to mention that man again, Emi Buendia, their little link up is, is outrageous, isn't it? And I don't know what the number is now, but at one point a few weeks ago, sort of creating goals for each other, some sort of stat was just remarkable. Um, you know, that's about as specific as I can be. Uh, but yeah, Timu Puki, without Emi Buendia, would he score as many chances? I don't know, but 25 goals, he's just, I, I love him. I just, I just love this Norwich team, Connor. I really do. Mm, uh, I think I can help you out with that stat. I think it was um, the most sort of productive partnership, wasn't it, in the championship um, for, I, I want to say ever, but it might be in recent times. Um, uh, off the top of my head, you've kind of, you've stumped me a little bit, but I know I know which one you're talking about. Um, Simeon, from, from Norwich's kind of creator-in-chief to, to, to Reading's, Michael Elise, how impressive has, has he been this season? Yeah, hugely. Um, obviously, um, he's, he's gone off the, the boil a little bit in the last few months. He's not been as consistent as, say, Buendir. is obviously uh, really impressive. And those numbers that Ben just read out were really startling for this level of the game. And I'm impressed you managed to keep him uh, for this season, to be honest. But Michael Elise has been an absolute diamond for us, whether he's playing on the right or playing as a number 10. Really gives us that extra kind of creative edge, that ability to open up a defence. And you saw it with some really good assists against... Uh, I think Millwall away earlier this season, Bristol City at home as well. And he really just plays with that freedom and that ability to just um, essentially just do whatever he wants. He sees an idea in his head and he and he comes up with it on the pitch. And for someone who's still, I think he's about 19 at the minute, for him to do that is just is unbelievable. And it's something that we're really proud of that he came through our academy. And um, obviously there's kind of similarities with the way Norwich have done things and kind of developing their own players and... Yeah, something we're, we're really proud of. Is is there a fear from your perspective, and I guess other Reading fans as well, about keeping him this summer? Or is is that kind of the difficulty? Because I know um, uh, Norwich fans feel this as well. A player comes through, they reach a certain level, and then they leave, and it's it's almost that. I, I guess it's quite tough emotionally to see a player come through the ranks and then just to see them sold off. Is that kind of the fear this summer that he's been that good that someone will sign him? 
I think the fear is that we're not going to get very much money for him, to be honest. I think we're kind of resigned to him in going at some point, probably this season, because he's only got another year left on his contract, which isn't really good enough from a squad planning point of view. Um, I think we can get at least 20 million for him. He's such a good player, but obviously with such a, a depressed market at the minute because of COVID and all those other things, we might struggle to to get too much money, for, get the amount of money that he's, he's worth really in a, in a realistic sense. And obviously if you, if we let him go for 10 million or so, that's decent money coming in, but for a player that talented, it's hugely disappointing. And you see what the amount of money that that can do for say Birmingham city with Bellingham last summer, I'd like to see us get that kind of amount of money as well, but it, it all depends on the market really. And we could be disappointed in a couple of months time. Yeah, it's it's going to be. I've, I've had it said to me already that this could be a very dry market, both in terms of deals and in terms of sort of big fees. So it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. I think it's it's difficult to predict. I, I want to be. It's, it's tough asking this question. The, the question I want to ask is, what do you kind of put Reading's decline down to? But that makes it sound like it's been a really bad season, and that's not the case. Certainly in, in recent sort of months and weeks it feels like Reading have, have slipped a little bit so maybe a better way of asking that is what what do you put that down to in, in recent weeks why has there been a, a, a drop-off was it an overperformance sort of in the in the first half of the season or so or or, or do you kind of put it down to something else I don't think it was under overperformance really but um, you got to remember this is a really small squad um, I think we brought in about five players last summer we couldn't bring anyone in in January and you look at the impact that say Daryl Dykes had at Barnsley being able to give them that extra fresh legs, that extra kind of impetus going in the second half of the season. We've had none of that. It's been a small squad. We've had a lot of injuries as well. And you can kind of pull yourself through for a little bit. You can kind of grind out results for a little bit. But if you can't rotate, if you can't kind of freshen up your team week in, week out, it is going to kind of gnaw away at you. And you see in the last few weeks, in the last couple of months, that we've essentially just run out of steam. Kind of mentally, we've look short on ideas and physically we've just not been as sharp as we were earlier on in the season and that does just kind of pay off in terms of a few goals here and there and undermines the confidence and it all stems from that really. If you have a bigger squad then um, we wouldn't have fallen off basically. Yeah, that is, I know Daniel Farker is someone, a coach as well, who likes working with smaller squads and maybe that was the the thing in the Premier League, maybe just didn't have quite enough options to change it and, and maybe should be a bit more defensive when, when they needed to. And I think that's certainly a lesson that they've learned this season. They've, they've certainly carried a bigger squad. Um, ben, just to, to reflect on, on that win at, at QPR, was the impressive nature of it given the two defeats and given, I mean, there wasn't much, uh, certainly from my perspective, I've always felt very calm about the title, but I, I got the sense from some that there was a little bit of a, a, a creeping doubt, maybe that Watford were beginning to, to make up ground at a, a, a relative rate. Did that kind of ease that for you, that that win? And, and I guess the impressive nature of it as well, the fact Norwich went through the years and, and beat a side that since Christmas has been in very good form. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of in the nature of Norwich City fans to be a bit worried from time to time. When there's a chance to be worried, uh, Norwich fans tend to be. Uh, I was never really, I remember saying straight after the Watford game, we'll beat QPR, we'll beat Reading. Um, and that's not through disrespect to QPR and Reading. It's just because this Norwich team is so good. And if you look at the circumstances that the Bournemouth game was played in, that the Watford game uh, was played in as well, I think it just makes sense. You know, Bournemouth, the game was ruined by, for me, a silly red card. Still not over it yet. And Watford, you've had, what, two days slightly hungover to prepare to play a team who have been in a similar vein of form to us. 
um, best defensive team in the league as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't really look too much into it. There were some, some sort of concerns, wasn't there, about the idea that Watford and Bournemouth, the sort of teams we're going to need to beat next season. But for me, that doesn't mean anything because for the previous, what, 40-odd games, Norwich have been really, really good. And as you mentioned, Norwich sort of addressed the sort of defensive issue, didn't they? You look at Grant Handley coming second in the player of the season. We're so good defensively. Not about so good, actually, but we're so much more improved, aren't we? Uh, which in my lifetime, I've never really seen a defensively solid Norwich team. It's always been outscore the opposition. It's always been sort of free for all in, in terms of on the pitch. But this season, we've, we've really addressed it. But yeah, beating QPR was, was, it was really nice, wasn't it? It was just a nice little game in a very lovely kit as well, might I say. Um, but yeah, I was never concerned at all, to be honest with you. And I'm really happy um, that for the players... Not so much for me, because I can't really, and I won't lie, I know a lot of people would disagree with me when I say this, but I can't really feel that emotional connection to the title specifically because I'm not there. You look at the last time we went up, me and you were at the, play, at the uh, parade, weren't we? Can't have that sort of experience again, which taints it a little bit. But for the players, it's all to play for. And, and for their sake, um, not that they need any luck, but um, I really hope they win the title, which, yeah, they can't not at this point, can they? No, and it, it harps back to that saying in football, doesn't it? That footballers often say, or they, they go, well, no one really remembers the runners-up or the team that finished second. It is, is, is correct, isn't it? Maybe beyond your own fans, you remember the, the titles and uh, certainly in Reading's case, the, the 106-point season, which, um, which of course, they, they have. So it, it's those kind of records being broke that, that you remember. You, you mentioned the defensive record there. Norwich are, of course, still on course to... To, for this to be their best ever season in terms of goals conceded. I think the off the top of my head, it's, it's 36. They're currently on 33. So two games to go. If they can concede two or fewer, then they've broken that record as well. There's also the points record, um, which is 94, which was set by Nigel Worthington's side and matched by Daniel Farker's side two years ago. Um, they can get 99 as things stand. So there's still plenty to play for. Um, ben, I wanted to ask you a bit about Kenny McLean because he, it feels like, to me, he got a lot of plaudits, um, particularly in that win against QPR, but it, it really feels probably since the end of January that we've seen a level of performance that maybe kind of merits the description that Daniel Farker gave him last season of being this irreplaceable player in this Norwich City side, which when that was said, a lot of people raised their eyebrows. Do, do you think he's kind of justifying that description now? Absolutely. Uh, Kenny McLean is, is an interesting player, isn't he? For me, at the beginning of the season, I was really sort of blowing the trumpet of he's very good. He will do very good things. Started off a bit shaky, didn't he? But, you know, Norwich did in general. And then throughout, I'd say, like, what, October to, as you say, January, he sort of, he blew hot and cold, didn't he? One week he'd be really good. The next week he'd just give silly passes away and we'd, we'd concede the odd sloppy goal. And then I think you're totally right when you say since January, he's just been a different beast, isn't he? He's such a joy to watch. And not only that, but he's got so much sort of charisma on and off the pitch, isn't he? Which is so important, especially you look at behind the scenes videos of Norwich. He's the one just sort of cracking the banter and stuff. And it's, you just you really like to see it. And you can tell that he is, um, what's the phrase, a, a cultural architect behind the scenes. He is probably a player that a lot of the youngsters look up to. And I can imagine him being a player who is willing to sort of coach these younger players as well in terms of of developing their personalities maybe more so than um, the football but he's been so good and I know why Daniel Farker said he was as good as um, 
he, he actually said, because he, he seems to be able to do everything, really. He's got a really good left foot, can win his headers, isn't scared of a challenge, um, and he's got a really good passing range. And I think that passing range will really come into play next season. I think, again, it's much like the, um, the same for the rest of the Norwich team. They've now had that experience of humiliation in the Premier League, and they're going to want to be desperately avoiding that through sort of human instinct. So naturally, um, they can't be any worse than last season. Uh, and McLean is a specific example of, I'd rate him at, what, 10, 15 million pounds, which is really, really good because, what, we picked him up for 6.25, something like that, from um, Aberdeen, which is it's ridiculous, isn't it? For a man who we bought from Scotland, he's now going to have two championship titles to his name. Um, but, yeah, he's been so, so good. And, you know, he's really, really important to this Norwich team on the pitch and off it. Yeah, Mr. Consistent, isn't he? And, and you touch upon something... Um, well, pertinent I suppose there and the fact that you mentioned I, I think there are probably players who have better areas of their game than Kenny McLean but I think as an all-rounder he probably does that better than anyone else doesn't he maybe um, barring Lucas Rupp although maybe certainly from an athletic perspective you'd you'd fancy uh, you fancy McLean I think. Um, Simeon three draws in a row for Reading you, you kind of mentioned the frustration what needs to happen or, or what are you hoping to see in these final two games of the season? Because I know they're kind of dead rubbers now, but is there anything as a fan that you'd like to see in, in terms of preparation for next season to prove maybe that you can go again and, and maybe ensure that this time you do stay inside those playoff places? Uh, essentially just play with freedom, to be honest, because the last couple of games we've played with a lot of a lot of pressure and it's felt like essentially the occasion's got to us and we've not really played like a team that... Uh, kind of is comfortable with the idea of being in the top six and really what you what you need to do and looking at other teams like Barnsley and Swansea they really kind of feel at home in the top six we need to develop that confidence and you look at kind of like the last few years that we've had in the in the championship kind of uh, struggling against relegation and then kind of moving away from it quite slowly we need to get that mentality of feeling like we deserve to be in the top six and we deserve to um, be competing against teams like um, against Swansea and, and Brentford and other teams and if we can kind of show that a little bit in the last two games that'll be that'll be really encouraging but obviously it's a it's a longer term thing that needs to go into next season as well. What's what's going to be the key this summer for the club? Is it going to be about smart or smarter maybe recruitment? Do you think they'll look at a club like Norwich and I suppose you could throw others in the championship as well who've maybe gone um, for, I don't want to say a more obscure route because obviously as Ben sort of touched upon, the Brexit regulations has, has made that a little bit tougher. But in terms of maybe taking risks on players a bit more, is that something you'd, you'd like to see or, or, or which sort of areas do you think they need to improve on next season? First and foremost, we need to get our contracts sorted out because I think we've got about five players contracted for beyond the end of next season, and it's been a it's been a mess for a couple of years. We just haven't been able to kind of properly manage our squad and properly kind of protect our own assets. Basically, and you see that with Elise, who's out of contract at the end of next season. Same with a uh, year, Dom Swift, um, Rafael Cabral as well, and we really do need to kind of get on, get on top of that. Whether or not we can do that with less money available because of COVID is going to be difficult and recruitment as well. It's, it's difficult to know how much money we're going to have to, to play with. And we have brought in a few players, I think last summer with from, from overseas, whether or not we can do that with Brexit to the same degree in the future is a little bit difficult. I'd like to see us kind of use lower leagues a little bit more. Josh Lauren has been probably our player of the season for a lot of people. And he came on a free transfer from Shrewsbury. If we can do more of that, then, it's an awful lot more effective than 
kind of spending a few million on players and wasting it like we have done in the past couple of years and hopefully we can kind of emulate Norwich a little bit. Mm. Is is there a fear from your perspective as, as a Reading fan? Because I know there's a lot of attention on the club when the, the annual accounts came out and it was all X amount on wages and stuff, which I think had actually gone down, but it was still fairly a, a fairly high amount. Is there a, a little bit of a concern from supporters about the sustainability about how Reading are run at the moment? Uh, there's concern over FFP um, just because of the sheer amount of money we're losing each year and it doesn't seem to come down. It, it gets a little bit better in terms of the wage bill coming down, but in terms of overall losses, it's just it's pretty horrific. Um, in terms of the club's kind of actual stability, I think we're fine because the owner is dedicated and he's got a lot of money and he's willing to spend it. Uh, Dai Yong from, from China, who's, um, who's very rich, he's seen very kind of invested uh, emotionally as well in the club. Um, the question is, can we spend it or not? And when you've got such tight FFP regulations and um, the way it works, kind of previous years, tying your hands essentially going forwards, we've not been able to kind of properly clear the balance sheet so that we can then go out and spend a lot of money on new players. And um, we're kind of in this this odd situation where we've got a lot of money, but we can't spend it. And it kind of speaks to the the general mismanagement, I guess, of the club that we've not been able to move past that um, high spending and get into a, a kind of more sustainable, from the point of view of FFP, um, situation. Ben, what Simeon has said there, do you think, is that kind of what you hope, uh, it's a, again, a bit of a philosophical question, but in terms of the rest of the championship, is there a hope, particularly given everything that's happened this year and the lack of fans and clubs, that may be exposing the way that clubs are run, certainly some clubs perhaps more than others. Is there a hope that the way Norwich City have found success at this level will act as a template for those clubs, essentially showing that maybe you don't need to gamble the future of your club to to get success at this level? I mean, yeah, the model of Norwich before the pandemic, you know, I've always banged that drum very loudly. Uh, I love the way we're set up. love the fact that our owners are fans of the club. Uh, for as much as sometimes people don't like that we aren't splashing 10, 15 million pounds on three or four players, um, which sometimes frustrates me at times until you then think about the bigger picture. Um, I, I don't really know if I'm going to get too preachy because we struck gold with Stuart Weber, didn't we? And, and Delia and Michael, there's not many people like that. So I don't know if it's really that easy to emulate. I mean, I would absolutely encourage teams to do so because you look at Norwich now, we're a typical yo-yo team, but that's fine by me. Football's about entertainment. And I remember the 1920 season, the Man City game at home and all that embarrassment that season, that, that game alone was worth the embarrassment for me because of that just very special memory. And that comes at the price. That, that's the price of um, of being a yo-yo team. I don't like calling us a yo-yo team, but we are. Um, so, yeah, I would encourage teams to do so. Uh, whether that will happen, no, I don't think it will because as we saw from sort of the European Super League, which is completely the other end of the scale, a lot of football is now just trying to make some other people, rich people, richer. Essentially, that's what it is. Don't want to get too sort of political. Um, but that is sort of the way football's going, regardless of whether the European Super League's cancelled or not. That That is the way it's going. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> the most I could do is, is say, yeah, I think teams should try and emulate what Norwich have done because regardless of the sort of constant bouncing between leagues that Norwich do, 
it's worth it because at the end of the day, we get to go and watch our football team play and we know they're playing for us and we know the owners care, we know the manager cares, we know the sporting director cares, we know everybody cares. Whereas you look at a bigger team, or a team with rich owners maybe, I won't just say a bigger team, there's sort of that question, there's that sort of instability, isn't there? You don't know whether a decision being made is for the club or for the finances, you, you, you just don't know. Um, and very rarely them decisions will meet in the middle to actually balance each other out which is why we see clubs go down um, down the drain, which is a, a tragedy. Uh, and also, obviously, you've got the sort of the heads at the top of the game that just like just clueless, aren't they? So it doesn't help matters. Um, but yeah, I mean, sure, other teams try and copy Norwich if you, if you want. I'd encourage you to do so. Will it happen? No. <laughs> Simple as that. When you said the 1920 season now, I thought you meant the season 101 years ago. And, I always uh, yeah, say that, and I think that, you, yeah. You lost me for a second there, but um, yeah, yeah, I yeah, got there in the end. Um, Daniel Farker, we, we're recording this before the, the EFL Awards tonight. I think it starts at half seven, about an hour and a half time. He's obviously not won a, a Manager of the Month award this season, which I know he said doesn't affect him, but increasingly it feels like it does affect him a little bit. Um, I'm trying to phrase this question the right way, but do you well a does he deserve to win the the manager of the year award that he's nominated for and i guess the the separate question is will he actually win it because i think we've seen that on on the merit of performance it hasn't always gone his way you think about two years ago it was chris wilder and you know i'm sure that maybe they'll they'll find a way to give it to him again this year It, it does feel a little bit like whatever he does it doesn't maybe quite get the recognition as as other managers is that humility do you think what do you kind of put that down to uh, he definitely cares. Like, let's get that in, in the open nice and quickly. If he doesn't care, behind, I'm, I'm fine with him not showing it. But if he doesn't care, I find that a bit odd. Um, as someone who you always want to be the best at what you do, don't you? Awards, personal awards, team awards, they, they're they what you strive for, aren't they? Um, and I, I do think he cares. Do I think he deserves to win it? Yes, obviously. He obviously deserves to win it. Let's not even sort of beat around the bush there at all. Will he win it? I don't know. Um, he should win it. It's easy to answer the question why he should rather than if he actually will. Um, but it, it depends on what people look at in terms of the job Daniel Park has done. If you're looking at from the beginning of the five-year project, my goodness, he deserves to win it. If you're looking at from, I'd say, like the end of last season and the job he's done to turn this team around, get them playing really attractive football whilst being solid at the back, absolutely. If you're looking at it from the perspective of developing young players who go on to have, or who will go on to have successful careers, absolutely. Um, All these factors suggest he should be winning it. Uh, This season in isolation, yeah, absolutely. Um, Even if you ignore the fact that Norwich City on the pitch anyway, were in complete tatters after that Premier League sort of post-lockdown humiliation. Um, if you if you ignore that, the job he's still done is, is magnificent. We've played really, really good stuff this season. Now, he's not typically great at the beginning of seasons, as he hasn't been since joining Norwich. And there was that little bit of a stutter at the beginning. And then since about, and I always refer to the same game, and I, and I will um, until we stop speaking about this season, but Cardiff, which was December, I think, mid-December. Since then, Norwich have been on a it's been really beautiful football at times it's been last minute football um and it, it's just I, I don't know how he's not one manager of the month at least once um but yeah I, I do think sometimes people think he should be doing what he's doing and you could argue he should because of this idea of parachute payments etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, but Norwich don't really spend them on players do we because you know we consider the club's future in that which is something not many clubs seem to do these days but um yeah he should be winning it absolutely if he doesn't I'm not going to be bothered, but I know he will. But yeah, 
uh, passionate rant over. I, I do very much believe he should um, he should be picking up the award. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if he if he uh, if he does get it and um, and what he says if he does get it as well. I think that's um, that's going to be very interesting. Simeon, I think I'm right in saying the reverse fixture between these sides was one that fans went to. Were you there that night? Uh, no, um, I, I kind of ducked out of it at the last minute, uh, per- perhaps wisely because uh, it wasn't a very good game from our point of view. It was kind of odd. Um, with a lot of players out and kind of having to play a bit of a makeshift formation. I think it might be a false nine night, us trying to trying something a little bit different to kind of negate Norwich. Didn't really work. Um, and Norwich played well that night. I um, thought, thought you managed it really well. Um, it really kind of showed the the maturity of this Norwich side that you're able to kind of essentially kill the game in the second half and make it not really a contest. Um, keep us at arm's length throughout it. Bit of a dodgy penalty decision for the for the winner but I mean when Norwich is so kind of professional and so mature in the way that they see a game out you, you probably well we certainly couldn't can complain about the result too much in, in terms of, of this weekend then we, we've obviously spoken about it there being a possibility a, a win would secure the title for Norwich City for for Reading this is largely a, a dead rubber I think the the natural thing that people will think is well they're going to be on you know that phrase on the beach do you think maybe it could have the reverse effect that that freedom may actually help Reading this weekend? And, and the fact that, like you said there, they perhaps played a few fixtures under pressure this weekend, that won't be the case. So in many ways, it may be more dangerous for Norwich because of that. Yeah, we've had a couple of games in the last couple of weeks against teams that are supposedly on the beach, uh, Luton and Cardiff, and didn't we win either of those. So um, from that perspective, Norwich are the team, I don't want to say you're under pressure because, I mean, you're going to win the title either way but you're the one that wants to go out and win it and has something to go out and achieve. We're the ones who kind of don't really have the pressure. Um, so if we can kind of tap into that, we could give you a could give you a bit of a game, perhaps a repeat of the, the last time we played at Carrow Road, but we'll see. <laughs> that's, that's twice. <laughs> Sorry, it's very put that in a second so, time, but you know. <laughs> no, it's good. It's good. Um, I, I was just going to... Uh, you throw me completely off course. I was going to ask you a <laughs> You're in his head, separate Tim. question, but um, I'll, I'll go to Ben anyway while I try and think about what I was going to ask you. Um, ben, how, how do you see this game panning out from a Norwich perspective? Because as Sim said there, sometimes those teams that don't have anything to play for can be a, a little more, more dangerous than perhaps those that do because of the pressure element. Yeah, I want to stick a quick jibe in and say uh, that the time before <laughs> go on, go on. Road, the, the, the kit that I'm currently wearing will remind Sim of a very, a very pleasant season, the old 7-1, so I just thought I'd stick that in there. You know, <laughs> nice little reminder. I uh, don't know if you've forgotten that one, Sim, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> just in case you've forgotten. No, but, um, I'm out of my mind. <laughs> to be fair, oh, you're going to be enjoying Oh, well, I don't blame you, mate. We've uh, we've seen Norwich play Liverpool at Cannon Road before, so, you know, a therapy session is nothing new to me. Um, but, yeah, I, the game's going to be an interesting one. I hope it's a good one. Um, I'm not going to be surprised if it is a good one. I don't think there's a middle ground for Reading. I don't see this being sort of nil-nil or 1-1. One, one. I think either they don't play very well at all or they play very well. This is a good chance for them to sort of... Now, I don't know them like you, Sim, obviously, but this is a good chance to sort of experiment. It's the point of the season where you can try new things, bring try players who haven't played before I don't know just do something interesting try something new which could either work very well for them they could beat Norwich and, and be really smug and very happy with themselves which you know fair enough um or you know the wheels fall off which I think they kind of have already haven't they with Reading but they could fall off even further 
Um, but yeah, Norwich uh, have got a, something to play for, uh, just the championship title, nothing major. But the players will absolutely be up for it. Um, and I'm very excited to watch the game. To be honest, I just love watching this Norwich City team play. Uh, I expect to win. I just want to see Norwich dominate. And when I say I want to see it, I also expect to see it. And I very much hope we win. I mentioned earlier, I'm not really that bothered about the title. Um, I'd, I'd like it to be a comfortable game for Norwich, to be honest with you. you. You spoke a little bit earlier about this sort of Norwich team being really mature, the Reading away being a very good example. Um, this team that sort of sees wins out, whereas I think the previous championship campaign, it was score four in the last minute, wasn't it? Something crazy like that. Whereas this time around, it's been much more impressive. Sadly, we haven't been there for it, although I can imagine a few of those games being there at Carrow Road, a heart attack would have happened on a few occasions. Um, but yeah, I very much expect to see Norwich win. Is it a chance for Daniel Farker to experiment? I don't know. Don't think he will. It's not really his style, is it, when um, you've got something to play for? But yeah, I'm uh, very much expecting a win. If we don't win, the group chat is getting muted for at least a month. Uh, I sincerely hope we do. But I, I, yeah, I, I do expect us to. Yeah, uh, I think that's about four jibes you got in there at Reading. So, um, yeah, they were is, unintentional, is, apart from the first one. Yeah, I know you just you just wind you up and you go, Ben. But uh, uh, so Sim's got at least three now. He can get into this next answer. But in terms of how Pornovic will approach it, uh, are you expecting him? Uh, we've seen kind of two approaches mainly at Carrow Road. We've either seen the pressing approach where teams really go after Norwich, or we've seen teams just sit in and essentially look to limit the amount of space that you have. Do you think that Reading will fall into one of those two categories this weekend? And if so, how do you think they, they'll play it, given what you spoke about, about maybe the mental fatigue in the squad? Um, neither of those approaches really kind of fit with what I think we'll we'll try and do. We're not really a, an overtly kind of uh, low-block team or high-press team. I think we're more likely to be in between one of those. Um, if we are going to be one of those, it's more likely to be the low-block. We don't have the energy to kind of to go out and, and press Norwich um, as other teams would. Um, but hopefully we'll see a couple of young players play. I mean, it's, it is a chance to kind of experiment and and try something new. I don't think it's something that Paunovic is gonna is gonna try. He's talked about young players kind of earning their place in the side rather than just kind of giving it out for the sake of it. But um, hopefully we'll try something new. But difficult to to say at this point. Right then, Ben, we'll, we'll throw it over to you. School prediction time. How do you see this one going? Seven one Norwich. <laughs> I'll see it through. I'll see it through. Yeah, you're sticking with seven one. Yeah, I'll see it through, mate. Nothing to lose. Nothing uh, to I'll lose. tell you what. If that if if that comes through, then um, uh, we'll we'll think of some a bet that I'll do on the last terrorist talk or something because um, yeah, I can't see that. Sim, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you respond. No doubt you're going to go with two two, right? <laughs> well, but both of you stole stolen my joke answers. I was going to go seven one Reading initially, and my my, my actual one is. I think Norwich are going to grab a late winner, 2-1, right at the last minute. You think you've won the title, so we think you've got it. And then, oh, not again. Andy, I think Andy <laughs> Rindham Hote is going to pop up with a, uh, a 90, let's go, a 96th minute equaliser in, uh, in front of the Barclay end. You know we'd still win the title if we got uh, a point. Uh, oh, okay. no, no, another one then. They wouldn't, Ben. They need is two points. Point? Two no, points? they need two points. Technically, so a win. It was four before Thingy, before Watford, wasn't it? Or was it not? No, I don't think it's two points they need, definitely. Oh, yeah, so in, know, in that situation, that, Watford would need to lose. No, no. Well, well my score prediction is is what, whatever denies you the title, <laughs> Andy Rinnemo, <laughs> in the 96th minute. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. 
Thanks, gents. I enjoyed that. Thank you all very much for watching. One more of these to go this season. It's um, absolutely flown by. Hopefully, uh, come the next show, we're talking about this Norwich City side being champions after hopefully a fairly comfortable, although I doubt 7-1 win over Reading, but uh, you never know. Thank you very much for watching. Thank you guys for, for joining me and we'll see you again very, very soon. Uh...